AM 1240 and 95.3 FN, WJON, apparently no music. And uh, let's uh, get to our conversation with Jim Suhan, Star Tribune sports columnist. Jim, today is brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. Morning, uh, morning, Jim. Good morning, Jim. All right, so uh, we had a trade last night. Actually, it was happening uh, while we had our Twins Caravan event in St. Cloud. Jorge Polanco goes to Seattle Mariners for four players. Your thoughts? Not the deal we all expected. Not the perfect magic bullet trade where you bring in a number two or number three starter and really uh, kind of add to the top of your rotation. But a very interesting deal when you kind of understand what Falvey looks for in a deal. Uh, he's kind of always, just like when he traded uh, a rise for, for Jorge Lopez, he made sure he got some excellent uh, uh, prospects thrown in the deal. You know, Dish Calfani is not, a, he's probably going to be your fifth starter. And depth, because of course, uh, no rotation stays completely healthy. Um, I think it. I think he gives them kind of someone. If you look at his profile, uh, who can give you five decent innings. And they brought in Topo, who's a, an excellent, another very good reliever to add to a very deep bullpen. This also means you can put Varlin to the bullpen if you want, who might end up being one of the better relievers in the major leagues. So I think they view this as a way to add veteran pitching depth to the rotation, free up Varlin to be a reliever, um, also add the number three prospect in the Mariners organization to a couple of the other. I mean, now they have like three of the best out, young outfield prospects in baseball in uh, Jenkins, Rodriguez, and the kid they just acquired. They also got a, a pitcher who was the 25th best uh, prospect in the Mariners organization. So again, not not the you know hitting for pitching direct trade we expected or maybe even wanted, but there are different ways they can get value out of this deal. Also, adding to their top prospect list means it it creates the possibility they can make another trade now or just have more trading fodder, fodder whenever they do need it. So, who was the target? Do you think in that trade? Well, that's the thing is that I think they've been looking all over Major League Baseball for like a number two starter. And what they found is they couldn't get a number two starter for Jorge Polanco. They don't want to trade trade away top prospects that they believe in, especially when they're under financial restraints. You need your young players to be the basis of your of your roster. Um, so I think they said, OK, if we can't get that one pitcher we want, then let's get a veteran starter who who can fit in at the bottom of the rotation and let's get other value pieces added. So what they got was four players, you know, two, two major league pitchers, two prospects and cash for a guy who um, they love, but they kind of knew that they were going to have to trade to find out they were going to get any TV money this winter. How about uh, second base? Is Edward Julian now the second baseman? Yes, he's going to be right now. He would be your starting second baseman. Uh, I could see them using Kyle Farmer as a defensive replacement late in games. They have leads. I could see them. Uh, I could see Brooks Lee coming to play at some point this year, whether as a you know platoon or alternate or depth guy or you know super utility player. Um, so I, I know they don't love Julian's glove. They do expect him to hit enough to have value, and if he improves to average defensively, he's going to be a major impact player. Has Brooks Lee played a lot of second base in the minors? Uh, no, mostly shortstop, but they've bounced him around a little bit. And honestly, the only, you know, the only adjustment you really have to make to play second base for your shortstop is turning the double play. And in the modern game where they can't barrel into you, they can't take your legs out, it's just not that hard to play.
you can stand on the top of the bag, catch it, stride forward and throw without anybody bothering you. It's just not a hard, hard adjustment anymore. With this move, uh, does that mean they're not going to try to trade Kepler or do you think he could still be on the block? I think, I think they'd rather keep him at this point, but they trade him for value. I don't think they're necessarily looking to trade him. Um, you know, I think they like the idea of Walner and Kepler on the corners and obviously as much as they can get from Buxton and center field. Um, if they traded Kepler, then they're going very young at uh, outfield, some guys who just haven't proven themselves. And I think they, 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 you know, Kepler has his flaws, but he did produce offensively second half of last year. He is the best fielding outfielder they have other than Buxton. Um, so, you know, he's eligible for a trade, but I don't think they're desperately looking to trade him. Uh, is Dee Sclafani, I mean, you, you mentioned fifth starter probably for him, um, and it sounds like the Twins are not going to pay his full salary this next year? Right. Seattle sent some money, and where the where the, the Twins are financial right now, that does help them out. Um, I think they'd like to add another hitter. Maybe it's a Justin Turner type. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it, and or maybe it's a trade. Maybe it's a trade for somebody who will need some money to pay. Uh, there's, I don't think they're done. Um, I'm just not sure what the next move will be. Are they a little lefty, heady in the uh, heavy in the lineup? Would they be looking for a right-handed bat? They would like to have a right-handed bat. Um, reality is, if and I, I do think they want another right-handed bat. If Correa and Buxton are healthy and perform the, and Royce Lewis are healthy and perform the way they're capable of, that kind of solves your right-handed hitting problem. Jim, the uh, Timberwolves last night, they win at Oklahoma City 107-101, big fourth quarter, outscoring the Thunder by 10 in that quarter. Anthony Edwards goes for 27. Uh, your thoughts on the Wolves now, back to being the best team in the Western Conference with their record. Really impressive performance. I thought that was a night where a lot of things went against them. Uh, SGA had a massive game. Uh, they Oklahoma City is a it's a tough home place to play. Uh, you know they I thought they got a lot of calls they shouldn't have got. I thought Anthony Edwards and Towns didn't get calls they should have gotten. And I, you know me, I usually don't uh, complain about refereeing, but I thought they get the worst end of the refereeing. They had too many turnovers, and they came into a fourth quarter against a good team, and they haven't been playing well in the fourth quarter, and they didn't have Mike Conley, and then they played great. I thought Edwards was excellent down the stretch. I thought Gobert was excellent throughout. I thought um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker played a great game. He really limited, uh, you know, he didn't limit SGA. He still got his points, but I thought he played really hard on defense. I thought Jade McDaniels shutting down Chet Holmgren was a big factor in this game. And McDaniels also had a couple big buckets, a three and a putback late in the game. So uh, just a really impressive game, especially since they didn't get a whole lot off their bench. Jim, so now they've got a 33-14 and 14 record. You look at them, you've got Denver that's been right there with them. Um, how important is seeding? I mean, we've still got a lot of season left, but home court advantage mean a lot? Yeah, uh, it does. Um, and We don't really know. You know, there, there are a lot of good teams in the West that aren't playing their best right now that could be really dangerous come playoff time. So we really don't know if it's absolutely better to be the number one seed than the number two seed or the two than the three. You might end up, you know, it might come down to matchups. You might prefer playing the six seeds or the eighth seed, but, oh, excuse me, but this is, you want to play, but you want to give yourself the best theoretical chance. You want to have the best season in franchise history. Uh, so they're going to play for the number one seed as much as they can. 
a matter of pride. Uh, they owe it to themselves. They owe it to the franchise. They owe it to the fan base. And they owe it to themselves because there's a percentage chance that'll end up being a beneficial thing. And, and if your goal is to, you know, go to the conference finals or to go to the finals or to win the finals, then home court advantage will eventually be very important. Jim, some other things going on. Um, we got the Wild that are on uh, the All-Star break for them. Um, they certainly kind of limped into it. Um, do you think that they might make some moves on the trade deadline? And if so, would they be looking to sell people? I would sell if I were them. Uh, the way they played the last couple of weeks, I think, ruined their playoff chances. They're way behind the wild card now. and They have a bunch of teams to pass, and they're just not very good. So I would sell sell parts if I were Garen. I don't know if he would will take that view or not. Uh, as far as uh, the possibility of Bill Belichick finding a job here in the offseason, uh, he didn't get the Falcons job. Will he get a different opening? I mean, maybe he could work for Brian Flores as like an inside linebackers coach. You know, have two or three players he can handle, and maybe he could rebuild his career that way. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's fascinating. It is just fascinating to see, um, you know, the most accomplished coach in NFL history as a free agent in a year where there were a lot of openings, and we haven't seen him get a job yet, and he might not get a job. It's just absolutely fascinating. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I think some owners probably don't want to deal with personality. Some owners probably don't like the fact that he had personnel control and kind of ran the Patriots into the ground. But still, it's fascinating. I, I don't I don't really get it. Is the is it the control thing that he would he would want to have more personnel control than than other coaches might want? Like I said there are there are only two good reasons for not hiring Bill Belichick right now as your head coach. Um, one is. You don't want to deal with his personality. Uh, number two is that he's demanding control. You don't, don't want to give him. I don't know why else you wouldn't hire him. Jim, what is the uh, what is the time that the the Vikings need to wait in regards to to Cousins? I mean, how quickly can they make a move on him? I really think it's just a matter of when both sides agree it's time to talk seriously. Um, I'm sure they, you know, because he's a nice guy. I'm sure he stays in touch with them. He's very diplomatic. Um, but, you know, I, I know the Vikings would rather have the deal done now rather than later. It just sets up all the decision-making, helps them manage the cap, um, know how much they can spend. You know, it, it, they're, they would like to do the Cousins deal today. Cousins is probably waiting for the market to mature, see who ends up where, what teams, you know, what we're, you know, just, just kind of see where the market is. Um, you know, Jeff Diamond on our podcast said that uh, he sees Cousins signing a two-year deal for about $90 million plus some voidable years or possible extensions, uh, a lot of guaranteed money. He thinks that gets the deal done and, and would be very workable for the Vikings. Jim, is there a certain amount of dominoes that need to fall before Cousins happens, or is he one of the first dominoes? I mean, it, it, we talk about this in baseball a lot of times where there's a clear hierarchy. Is there a hierarchy in the free agency for football this year? I I just think a lot of teams are trying to figure out now, you know, what's going to happen with the quarterback market. Um, what's going to happen with Russell Wilson, what teams are willing to go out and spend a lot. Uh, who's willing to trade for one. Who's going to draft Who's going to set their sights on drafting a quarterback in the first round. Who wants to go free agency. I mean, there's just a lot of different things percolating right now. Once again, if cousins really, really wants to be here and the Vikings sincerely want to bring him back, there's a deal to be done, and you, could, and you and I could put it together right now. Um, the question is, 
do cousins agents want to play games with it? Do they want to see if the market booms or some other fine? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of the stuff is back room, not back room, just texting and uh, between sources uh, saying, Hey, you know, if cousins decided not to sign with the Vikings, we might be able to do this for them. So there's a lot of gamesmanship at this point. Again, if the, if cousins really wants to be here and the Vikings do want to sign them, the deal will be easier to do. Jim, one last one for you. Um, Richard Patino has his New Mexico team ranked number 19 in the country. They're 18 and three. Um, what do you, what, what are your thoughts on Patino and his good season so far? Fascinating. Um, you know, what hurt him here was a number of uh, things. He just, you know, he just didn't seem to work very hard at recruiting and he didn't recruit particularly well. And, you know, I'm not sure he had the right, the kind of personality that kind of went over the fan base. Um, so for him to leave here, play at a slightly lower level against lesser competition where maybe recruiting isn't quite as important or, it's, you know, there are fewer people vying for the people you have in your area. Uh, that might just be a really good fit for him. You know, Dan Monson was a good coach elsewhere, and then he came here and it didn't work out, but he actually did pretty well at Long Beach State for a little while. Um, winning with the Govers seems to be difficult. All right, Jim, what are you got in your podcast? Pretty much full slate is up. A good uh, Mauer show with Roy Smalley is it under the Chin Music uh, banner. We have the, a really good Jeff Diamond show explaining all the re- salary cap things, the way he thinks the Vikings season, offseason will play out. Um, we will do a Timberwolves show this morning uh, off the Oklahoma City victory, and everything everything is at, and that's what you call the John Krasinski show, and everything's at talknorth.com or on your favorite podcast app. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. That's Star Tribune Sports columnist Jim Suhan joining us every weekday morning at this time. You can follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune's podcast at talknorth.com. Jim, today brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. 7.30, and we're at 36 degrees. News from ABC is coming up next.